Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bat Flips and Maple Dips, part three of our prospect overview, if you will. My name's Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To my left, we have Mr. Justin Anderson uh, joining us via Skype in the Maritimes, the most beautiful place in the world. Um, we have got Patrick Marsh joining us. How's it going, bud? It is going great. It was actually quite mild outside. I think it was only negative one all day. Beautiful. Minus 50 here with the wind chill. You know what, so, Patrick? You suck. Yeah, go kick rocks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> tempted to just hang up on you right now because it's been a nightmare week and a half here in Saskatoon. Like, not only has it been super cold, but we got, like, 20 centimeters of snow, something like that. Mm-hmm. And all the roads are just a nightmare because here in Saskatoon, I don't know why they do this, but they clear the roads right away. And... Well, not right away, but like the day after, and people already drive over the roads. So when they clear the snow, they don't clear the actual slippery part. They just get rid of the snow. So driving on the roads in Saskatoon is like a curling rink. And then because of that packed down snow, when it starts to melt, all the car tires make those ruts. And ruts in the suburbs in Saskatoon, like if you're from here, you're probably just shivering right now because the word rut in a city, it's just... Oh, it irks people. Um, can't wait for that. Sorry to be a Bobby Buzzkill here, but uh, we got a uh, fun episode coming up. It's going to start a little sad. You'll see. Uh, then we're going to talk about the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, then we'll get into the top 10 prospects for the uh, Jays coming up this season. As always, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow. Give us a review as well, especially on Facebook because... I mean, the more reviews we get, the better we're going to be because it's all about you, you listening. We want to be good for you, and we don't know what's good for you if you don't tell us. So give us a review, share us, like us, all that stuff, and uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, TuneIn. We're all over them, all right? Housekeeping stuff, it's all out of the way, right? Should be good, yeah. You know what? Rhode Island, you get a shout-out today. <laughs> Here we go, Rhode Island. Good for you. Um, again, as I said, kind of a sad start to the podcast today. We can't help it. Um... Frank Robinson died. Super yeah, sad. Super. Um, Frank Robinson, I mean, a baseball legend. I mean, more than just a legend. I don't know if it gets higher than legendary status, but if there is a status higher than that, Frank Robinson would get it. Uh, he was 83 years old. Um, I mean, a lot of people know him as a veteran manager, but, I mean, he was also a pretty good player back in the day, and it's really sad. Um, I know Patrick has a... Uh, little eulogy written up for him. So uh, without further ado, Patrick Marsh, take it away. All right, guys. It is indeed a sad day in baseball. Um, And it was just a week ago that we were celebrating the 100th birthday of baseball legend and cultural icon, Jackie Robinson, uh, when we kicked off Black History Month all across the world. The United States and Canada, of course, celebrated uh, Jackie was a fierce uh, base runner and a tremendous competitor, but let's not forget about Frank Robinson, who did pass away today at 83. Most fans from the last two generations know Frank as a 16-year uh, veteran manager who managed as recently as 2006 when he was with the Nationals. Uh, he was okay and managed to win over 1,000 games, and he did break ground as the first African-American manager in MLB history. And he did it while he was still playing. Uh, as good of as a manager as he was, he was always a much better ball player. And today we're just going to kind of celebrate all of his accomplishments. And you can kind of decide for yourselves whether or not he deserves the status of a baseball immortal. 
He started his career in 1956 with the Cincinnati Reds and immediately took the league by storm by scoring a league-high 122 runs and easily captured Rookie of the Year. Oh, and by the way, he hit 38 home runs as a 20-year-old rookie. Unbelievable. The next 20 seasons saw Frank mash his way into the record books. 2,943 career hits, 586 home runs, a lifetime 294 batting average, 204 stolen bases, 1,800 runs batted in, 1,800 runs scored, 14 all-star appearances, MVP in 1961, and in 1966, he won MVP, took the Triple Crown, and won the World Series with the Baltimore Mm -hmm. Orioles. So to say that Frank Robinson was one of the greatest offensive contributors to his teams across his career is an understatement. He had a legendary bat. And in 1970, he won another World Series, uh, which uh, was his second with Baltimore. Uh, In 1966, he won MVP for that World Series as well. So the guy was just clutch in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And out of every player who has ever won the MVP in either the National League or the American League, only one man has done it in both leagues, Frank Robinson. If you ever doubted uh, that ball players are athletic and ferocious competitors, let me read you an anecdote posted today on ESPN by uh, Tim Kirkjian. I apologize if I mispronounced that. So this is just straight out of the article. On the day that the late Frank Robinson became the first African-American manager to major uh, to manage a major league game, April 8th, 1975, uh, opening day of uh, the first two seasons that he served as a manager, uh, he initially chose not to put himself in the lineup. Uh, but uh, Phil Sagi, the general manager for the Indians, implored Robinson to play that day, maintaining, Frank, this is your day. So Robinson changed his mind and wrote in his own name at the number two spot in the batting order. In his first at-bat that day, in front of 56,000 fans at Cleveland Stadium, he fell behind in the count, 0-2, to the Yankees' Doc uh, Medic. And this is a quote. Right from Robinson, he said, then he throws me this bastard slider just off the outside part of the plate. Robinson said, "Uh, I thought this SOB was trying to strike me out on three pitches. On my day, he's trying to embarrass me. On my day, no one does that to me. On the next pitch, Robinson hit a home run to left center field. This guy was a hell of a competitor. And he's going to be remembered for the ground he broke and the balls he managed to send over the fences at Crosley Field in Cincinnati and Memorial Stadium in Baltimore. He was an important figure during the civil rights movement in the United States and joined the NAACP as a passionate speaker of racial issues. He was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2005, which is the highest possible honor a civilian can receive in the United States of America. His number 20 is retired by Cleveland, Baltimore, and Cincinnati as a tribute to just how much he meant to those cities. 
just a, a testament to his character, um, as per Bob Nightingale uh, earlier today, uh, the Frank Robinson family has asked that in lieu of flowers, con contributions in his memory can be made to the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis or the National Museum of African American History and Culture in Washington, D.C. Guys, we really need to make sure that the next generation of fans remembers Frank Robinson because he was a hell of a player, a ferocious competitor, but above all that, he was just a guy who believed in equal rights. And yeah. That's all there is to say, really. <laughs> good former Expo as well. Yeah. He looked good in yes. Expo colors. Like, anyone looks good in an Expo jersey, let's be real here. But something about an Expo's jersey on Frank Robinson, I don't know. I, well, that's my first image when I think of Frank Robinson, Expo's manager, you know? <laughs> but, um, I mean, well said, Patrick. Well done. And, uh, yeah, definitely a sad day in baseball. I mean, it's Frank freaking Robinson. I mean... Again, the guy's a legend. We've said it seven times in the past ten minutes. He's yep. a legend. He's a legend. But, I mean, it's worth saying over and over and over again, you can never forget the legends. And not just for his on-the-field stuff, his off-the-field stuff. I think that's what a lot of people are going to remember about him. Um, speaking of legendary things, uh, the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2019, pretty good one, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, Jason Bay, Ryan Dempster, Rob Thompson and Gord Ash. Um, Justin, your first impressions on that class? It's a hell of a class. I mean, we, we just talked about this year with the with the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown that guys that are getting in now are players that we remember seeing and, and guys that we know. And two more guys in Bay and Dempster that are guys that I remember growing up watching. Mm -hmm. And obviously Gord Ash had some big contributions to Canadian baseball through his time with the Blue Jays, and now he's with the Brewers. And then Rob Thompson has just been a coach for forever. Um, so, yeah, four great guys, uh, big Canadian baseball dudes, um, and that's it's awesome to see. There was yeah. a time when Jason Bay, probably the most dominant Canadian player in baseball. Yeah, before I mean, Joey Votto, Probably yeah. for... I think two or three years. I mean, Jason Bay was an all-star mm -hmm. uh, more than once, I believe. But Jason Bay, I mean, he had some years uh, yeah. back then. I mean, and it was kind of, it was kind of rare for Canadian baseball players at that time because, I mean, there was, I mean, Joey Votto, Morneau, that kind of thing. But I mean, Jason Bay, very underrated Canadian. He had a couple seasons there where it was like, man, this guy's this guy's gonna go on to be mm -hmm. to be a, one of the greats. And I mean, unfortunately, injuries and stuff like that kind of derailed his career. Um, Patrick, where would you put Jason Bay? Like on a list of memorable Canadian baseball players, who would be ahead Jason Bay? Who would be below Jason Bay? Oh man, that's a tough question. I think Jason Bay is in the top ten. For baseball players, as far as like fielders go, like if we're going to separate the list, because it's hard to judge pitchers against hitters, Bay is probably top 10 for sure fielder, like like batters, mm -hmm. I guess you could say. Uh, the fact that he won the Tip O'Neill Award three times is, is pretty indicative of how special a player he was. By the way, Tip O'Neill, uh, one of the... Other 15 players, aside from Frank Robinson, who uh, got the Triple Crown. Hmm, so, cool. just goes to show how special it is. And, um, yeah, I think we... I, I wish we had gotten to see more of him on Canadian television when he was playing. Right. 
when he came back, like, because, again, he was hurt for so long. It seemed like he was hurt for so long anyway. I mean, he had three seasons. After that 2006 season, that's when things kind of really started to go south yeah. for him. But when he came back, I mean, he won the Tip O'Neill Award in 2009. He looked like the old Jason Bay. And it was like, okay, this is going to be a cool comeback story. But he never really did that sweet comeback story. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't get, like, that victory lap for his career. He just kind of fizzled out. And that's kind of a shame about Jason Bay because, I mean, the other guy on the list here, too, Ryan Dempster, he's kind of the opposite of Jason Bay. Instead of having a couple flashy years here or there, I mean, Ryan Dempster, he was he was around for a long time. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was drafted in the third round by the Rangers uh, back in 95. Uh, he made the All-Star game in 2000 with the Marlins. Uh, then he went to the Cubs, and he was with, uh, I think he was with Cincinnati for a bit. Uh all-star game there finished sixth in Cy Young voting with the Cubs and then he won the World Series in 2013 mm-hmm. when he, in his last year with Boston uh it's, it's pretty cool because he he started as a starting pitcher and then he went to Chicago he closed games for three seasons and then he went back to starting again and was an all-star <laughs> yeah uh Mr. Consistent really he, he ate a lot of innings in his career He's second among Canadians behind Fricky Jenkins in wins, strikeouts, starts, and innings pitched. And he's also fourth in games pitched, saves, and war among Canadian pitchers. So, I mean, for a guy who stuck around for a long time, he's, he's, he pitched well. He's got some great stats for a Canadian. It's awesome to see. If I had to describe Ryan Dempster in one word, solid. Like solid. When you knew when, funny when too. he was going on the mound, you knew he were gonna get a solid outing. Mm-hmm. Not too often was he getting lit up. Not too often was he taking over a game. Just super solid. Um, yeah. what about you, Patrick? One word to describe Mr. Dempster. Uh solid is a great word to describe him. From uh two thousand eight to two thousand twelve, uh he had uh he won sixty five games. Yeah. That's hard that's that's quite a few games to win in uh in such a short period of time and that was after he had transitioned uh out of the bullpen mm-hmm. and back as a back as a starter it was hard to do and it was on some chicago cubs teams that weren't i'm not saying they were bad i, I just think they weren't as good <laughs> as what they became later in the uh the 2010s i'm going to give you guys three pitchers here three solid canadian pitchers kind of like ryan dempster Tell me in order, one, two, three, which you'd rather have them. Ryan Dempster, Rich Harden, Eric Bedard. Out of those three, who would you want one? Who would you want two? Who would you want three, Patrick? Number one, Ryan Dempster. Number two, I don't care. Number three, I don't care. Because Ryan Dempster, aside from Ferguson Jenkins, I think he's the best Canadian pitcher of all time. Really? Okay, let's say in their primes. Their one good year. Like their best year, who'd you have? I'd say Bedard second then, I guess. Okay. I loved Rich Harden back in the day. Dempster, Harden, Bedard. Rich Harden for the A's when he was the uh, fourth guy there. He was kind of like the forgotten yeah. man in the A's rotation. Rich Harden was hype. Yeah. And I don't know. I, yeah. I kind of, like, I'd obviously not put those two guys in a Ryan Dempster category, but I think that they kind of had an opposite Ryan Dempster career. They had a flash in the pan kind of thing, and then they kind of fizzled out. I think that speaks volumes for guys like Ryan Dempster who can stick around in the big leagues for that long and not just stick around, but like be, be really, really good ball players. And now he's an analyst on the MLB network. Like he's a funny guy, like you said. <laughs> he's super funny. Like his Harry Carey impressions. Well, he's always done. Well, Gagne. Like well, Gagne is a he was a closer. A closer. Yeah. 
He's still a pitcher, though. Yeah. yeah. Garnier, Garnier, I think, like, when he came back, when he tried to come back for Team Canada there, I remember reading some tweets where I was like, oh, man, this guy's struggling on the mound right now. Like, mm. he didn't have too fun of a time. I wish he wouldn't have done that, but because now it's like, okay, like, it would be sweet to, again, have the sweet comeback or whatever. But, yeah, Garnier, I guess we kind of forgot about him, too. He was in that era as well. Yeah, I wouldn't. He, uh, I, I still classified him as a starter. As a, as a closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did. Yeah. But yeah, I forgot he's a closer. I was kind of thinking starters, but I guess Dempster was kind of going back and forth from the bullpen and stuff like that too. Three years in the too. pen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rob Thompson, the other guy, well, another guy going into the Hall of Fame there. Um, I kind of forgot about Rob Thompson. I don't know too much about him, but. Well, I mean, he's been a coach. Uh, he never did play more than a couple of games in in uh, the minor leagues before he decided, hey, I'm. I'm not going to cut it at this base, baseball player thing. I might mm-hmm. as well be a coach. And he's been a coach for 28 years. I uh, started uh, with Tigers, went to the Yankees, and now he's been at the Phillies for a few years, and he's the bench coach there. Mm-hmm. He's been a stalwart of Canadian baseball coaches for a while now. Yeah. Uh, what about a guy like Gordash too here, Patrick? I mean, a guy who was pretty instrumental for the Jays behind the scenes, too. Yeah, well, I mean, his longevity with the with team, I think, says a lot about how highly he was thought of um this might be i don't know a little controversial but i always thought that gordash was a bit overrated as a general manager i know like the jays weren't terrible in the mid mid to late 90s because they were just coming off of winning the world series but i was always kind of disappointed that all that momentum got lost and they ended up getting surpassed by the yankees by the late 90s I'm not trying to be subversive. I just always thought Gordash was a bit overrated as a GM. I used to think he was underrated until I saw how Alex Rios turned out. And Alex Rios is the bane of my existence. <laughs> so knowing that he brought Alex Rios to the Jays uh, organization made me respect him a little less. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty cool that a guy who started out working in the ticket office in yeah. 1978 worked his way up through the ranks and mm-hmm. came the general manager again the theme of kind of the canadian baseball hall of fame for this class kind of the comebacks yeah. as we're talking about there's you know? hope for all of us to exactly. do the bj's gm guys yeah i don't think that's <laughs> Actually, if gord could do it why can't we i will give you ten thousand dollars if you ever become general manager of the toronto blue Jays. if i make if i'm the general manager i won't need your pity money your chump change. You're going to turn down $10,000? <laughs> that just proves how bad of a decision maker you are, and that's why you will never become the Toronto Blue Jays general manager. Damn. I don't want your pity money. It's money, man. It's money. Use that ten grand. go to the bar, buy rounds for everyone. Boom, you're friends with everybody. <laughs> Great investment right there. That's why I should be the GM of the Toronto Blue Jays. I know how to make decisions. Um, a couple more other light news things here. Uh, kind of a big trade in the... Majors yeah, this today finally, JT Realmuto was traded by the Marlins after months of talk. The Phillies pulled the trigger. Um, they traded a catcher Jorge Alfaro, a couple of prospects, and some international signing money. Um, Sixto Sanchez and Will Stewart. Uh, Sanchez is like, he's hype as a prospect. He's a 20-year-old from the Dominican, and he throws very, very hard. There's some concerns that he'll never be able to be healthy for a full season. But the hype is there. I mean, he's got a couple, like two and a half ERA over a couple of seasons in the minor leagues, but he's had some issues with his elbows. Mm-hmm. So that's always um, tough. But I mean, Real Muto is one of the top five catchers in the league right now, and the Phillies are going all in. 
uh, they're probably hoping that this acquisition will help them in their case to land Machado or Harper and and or <laughs> yeah, we'll see. maybe both. Yeah, we'll see. So it's it's interesting. I don't know. Are Any there, thoughts, Patrick? Are there big implications behind this move, or is it just another kind of move? There, there are. I mean, guys, I think I just straight up hate the Marlins now. Like, I feel so bad for their fans. <laughs> Look at all the players who have left town. Well, not even left. They've been shipped out. Well, when you build or a monstrosity shipped, yeah, just... like they did in the center field uh, fence, like they did in their old in their stadium, that thing's gone. Yeah, but still, like the pictures still remain on the internet. That was the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever seen. The, the home run statue. Like, it was so dumb. It, th- oh. That alone should just make players go like, "I'm never playing here ever." <laughs> like this was. If the management's making ridiculous ideas like this, I mean, that's almost as dumb as turning down ten thousand free dollars in a bet, huh? Eh? Yeah, I, like I guess. We, like how we came back. That's to a good that. callback. No, no love for that one. Come on, guys. Jeez. <laughs> but um, as we were saying, Patrick, the Marlins. Yeah, you hate them. I just, I don't know. Like it's fi- like this trade is fine. I think they, it's mutually beneficial. Um, like Justin was saying, Real Muto is a top five catcher in MLB, and I just, I just, I every time I read Miami Marlins, I just cringe because they're. It's like they hate their fans. They they want the team to to lose. It's so frustrating. Before we get into the um, Jays prospects ten to one here, um, quickly here on Lance Berkman, we kind of read about the story today. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to read the quote. It's hard to figure that a guy in Edgar Martinez who had a great career gets 85% of the votes, and I virtually had the same career, and I get less than five percent. There's something off about that. First of all, Edgar's been on the ballot for way longer than Lance Berkman has. Uh, Second of all, Lance Berkman, eh, like similar numbers, but Edgar was definitely better than him. Third, shut up, Lance Berkman. Like, what? Like, man, you're going to go after Edgar Martinez. (laughs) Shut up, man. It's like like comparing Frosted Flakes with those, like, off-brand, like, Frosted frosted cornflakes or whatever you know what i'm talking about no it's not even the the tiger on the on the front it's comparing there's like it's comparing frosted flakes to grape nuts like that's what it is they're not even in the same category they're not even the same cereal like lance berkman i remember watching him hit and he was a great hitter mash dingers he he's way better at baseball than i am obviously (laughs) but i hated his swing because he never moved his fucking legs he just sat he was all upper body you know like he never like stepped into anything or moved his head all upper body, especially at the end of his career, I was like, man, this guy's a weird swing. And I'm all about the looks. I'm all about the sexiness, you know? So Lance Berkman, like, be quiet. We're looking at his stats right now. Lance, uh, Edgar has Lance in games played, hits, doubles, um, RBIs, walks. Berkman has more home runs, but, like, I don't know. Like, does he have a case here at all or no? I think he has a case to have gotten more than 5% on the yeah, ballot. Yeah, I agree. But he doesn't have a case to say that he should get the same amount of votes as Edgar did. Yeah, and what a dick thing to do. Like, why, why could, What did Edgar Martinez do to this guy? Nothing. Probably nothing, because he's a DH. He never, he, a legend for he didn't, he didn't make a play, he's I guess, in the field. Him. That's <laughs> about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything else to add about Lance freaking Berkman, buddy? Or Well, one thing I do want to say is that... Or, well, actually, this is like... Does, uh, whatever it is. Justin did a, a little bit of a dive here uh, when it comes to comparing the stats of Edgar to Lance Berkman and Carlos Delgado. And it's kind of interesting to see the comparisons and see that uh, Edgar is definitely 
the best of the three. Based on ma- mathematics, oh, yeah. yeah, better of the three. But Carlos Delgado has way better career numbers than Lance Berkman, and Carlos Delgado got knocked off the ballot uh, his first year, mm-hmm. which, again, another crime, but maybe that's a different episode. <laughs> yeah, Hall of Fame snubs. Man, do we like talking about Hall of Fame stuff. Yeah, I'm looking at Delgado's numbers, and they're not, again, they're all pretty similar, but Edgar definitely takes the cake. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's really not even close to how many uh, different categories that he leads over the other two. So, uh, without further ado, our highlight of this episode, uh, prospects, 10 to 1. 10 to 1. Um, I, I'm going to almost pitch a tent talking about these guys because man is our farm system awesome i mean i can't remember the last time get our hype. farm system was this get awesome like, again like usually we have like like i said last episode we have that one guy you know that one guy who's like okay this is the guy of the future ricky romero here we go marcus stroman woo you know we got like six this right top now. 10's all legit it's all legit like I, I was gonna say 10 but i didn't want to overstep it I'll say nine, you know? Um, okay, yeah, number 10 on the list. Uh, Sean Reed Foley, SRF, our boy here on Bat Flips <laughs> and Maple Dips. Uh, he was drafted back in 2014 in the uh, second round. He's a big boy, six foot three, and he's only 23. And we got a little sneak peek of him last year, and there were some iffy starts for sure. But yeah. there were also some very, very bright spots to this guy. I mean, the guy has double digit strikeouts per nine innings. The walks are a concern. He walked more guys in the big leagues than he has since his first couple of years in the minors. So you got to think it was a bit of nerves. His home run numbers went up, but I'm not too worried about that personally. Um, for him, it's going to be all about keeping the ball down. His ground ball numbers were low in the big leagues compared to his minor league career. So I think the sample size is just pretty small. I mean, he was, he was throwing hard. He's trying to make it put on a show and mm-hmm. give himself some street cred, I guess. And he's going to try and win a spot in the rotation, even though he's probably going to start in AAA. But we'll we'll see him again at some point this year. Oh, for sure. He's he's the first guy, if not the second guy, called up if in case of injury, depending on how the spring training situation shakes out. And he'll be a September guy for sure. This is a guy who we could see them do the Aaron Sanchez move where they bullpen him for a year. Just to give him some big league experience. That's what I was he, thinking. He does throw hard, mm-hmm. so he kind of fits that reliever profile. So, I mean, if the Jays are out of contention and they trade somebody, you never know. Maybe Shoemaker pitches really well and he gets moved. This is a guy that will come up. Mm-hmm. But as far as him sticking with the club, I don't think he sticks out of spring training. But at some point this season, we'll see him. Do you agree, Patrick? Uh, yes, but I do wonder uh, how seriously we can really take his MLB experience because Not really seriously, no. it's just like, on one hand, the K rate is extremely impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the numbers are, I don't want to say dreadful, but I don't want to look at them anymore. It was 33 So I'm going to scroll down to my computer so I don't have to look at them. <laughs> but uh, he was outperformed by Thomas Pannone. Uh, during both of their very limited uh, MLB runs uh, last year, 2018. That being said, I think when it comes to call-up priority, depending on how spring training shakes down, we will probably see Thomas Pannone before we see Sean Reed Foley because Pannone has bullpen versatility. And I don't know if it's even worth 
bringing up Sean Reed Foley to do bullpen, a bullpen inning every two or three days when he needs to be starting as many innings as possible in triple a i would rather i would rather him pitch like 160 innings in triple a than you know 90 in triple a and then like 15 to 20 in in the the show thomas pannon over sean reed foley hey no and what i'm saying though is thomas pannon has versatility because he is a bullpen he can be a bullpen arm while sean reed foley is a pure starter yeah in my mind, Pernon I think was it would actually be better in the bullpen than he was as a starter last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think I'm not saying like Thomas Pannon is a better pitcher. It's not that. It's that right now, Pan... right now, Thomas Pannon is more MLB ready than Sean Reed Foley. But Sean Reed Foley's ceiling is two to three steps above what Pannon can do. Pannon will be serviceable. Sean Reed Foley has the potential to be like a Cindergard level flamethrower. Yeah. I would so put Sean, get hype. I'd put Sean Reed Foley like six or seven steps ahead of Thomas Pannon, but I don't really like Thomas Pannon. So, moving on, number nine on our prospect list here, uh, Craig Junior, baby, Caban <laughs> Biggio. This guy can play everywhere. He can play second. He can play third. He can play outfield. It'd be nice to kind of stick him in the outfield. Have a nice outfielder. We prospect need him there because we need a freaking outfielder prospect. Yeah. We don't need any more infield prospects. Uh, drafted in 2016 in the fifth round, steal at the fifth round. Especially when it's Craig Biggio's kid. <laughs> Usually, uh, ball players' kids, like legendary ball players like Craig Biggio, their kids will go pretty high in the draft just because of their name. Fifth round, it's pretty low for a guy like Biggio, especially when you look at what he's done in the minors. Uh, he was a part of that Fisher Cats team that was absolutely dominant, absolutely legendary. Um, he'll probably go to AAA this year, and by probably, he will be in AAA this year, and he'll probably be a September call up guy too. Um, Patrick, we'll let you get the uh, start on here with uh, Biggio. Guys, of all the prospects that we have in our pool, let's let's pretend that Vladdy is not on the list anymore. Let's just pretend that he, it's it's a given. Okay, he's not going to be a prospect anymore. <laughs> Kavan Biggio excites me the most because he has uh, utility at so many different positions. The fact that he can do second, third, no field, it's like Brock Holt, except I think this guy's going to be even better. He has one of the best possible coaches who helped him in the offseason between 2017 and 2018, and his dad, Craig Biggio. Look at his OBP. His OBP went from 342 to 388, and that was going a step up from high A to double A. This kid has tremendous plate vision. Okay, yep. his, walk, his walk rate, BB rate, 17.8%. That is muy bueno. Okay? <laughs> I love it. I don't care that he strikes out a lot. This guy can slug the ball. 26 home runs in double A at 23. Call the kid up now. I don't even care about triple A. You... I want to see this guy right now in MLB and see what he can do. So you want to call up Biggio over Bichette first? No, I want I want, I want want Bichette at shortstop right now. Mm-hmm. Biggio in the outfield, and then Guriel at second. I agree with that. I would say Bo Bichette is a little bit more exciting than than Kavon Biggio, and we'll get to that a little bit later because, of course, Bo Bichette is on the list. Spoiler alert. But um, I, I think Bichette, it's tight, though. I mean, Bichette is versatile, but not as versatile as Biggio. 
I mean, at first I was like, oh, Boba Shit has more upside than Biggio. Then I started thinking about it and I was like, I don't know. Like, they're pretty tight when it comes to prospect rakes. Yeah, I I think Kevin Biggio is the future kind of Justin Smokish player where he walks a lot, strikes out a bunch, but can hit some dongs. Mm-hmm. If you look at his stats, 2016, his first year in the minors, 280 plate appearances, zero home runs. 2017, 556 plate appearances, 11 home runs. Mm-hmm. Then last year, 563, seven more than the year before, 26 home runs. He's developing a power stroke over the past three seasons. He's gone from zero to 26 in his home run totals in three years. Or he's on the juice. He's not on the juice. He might be on the juice, man. He went from zero home runs to 26 (laughs) Uh, home runs in two years. But if you look at his other stats, nothing else has really changed. His average has actually gone down from his first year. The thing that he found was launch angle. Mm Mm-hmm. There was a whole article about it when he started mashing home runs this year. People were looking at his swing. And as Patrick said, he had a, he had a great coach in the offseason after that 2017 year and his dad that helped him hit more line drives. And line drives equal hits and home runs. And that's what we're seeing from him now. I don't have batted ball statistics because the miners don't track like hard contact, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I have to imagine that his hard contact percentage has gone through the roof just based on his other metrics here being like his his BABIP has been relatively the same, but his his power metrics as ISO du- almost doubled last year. Look at his WRC, yeah, like one forty five. Holy sh- holy shit! That's good. That's like, elite. And he, <laughs> and he's twenty three. Yeah. And like I can't wait to see this. See what he does in AAA. He's definitely getting a call up this year, unless some by some weird miracle the Jays are like. 30 games above 500 or something like that. Like, <laughs> and there's no reason to bring him up and burn a year of uh, service time. Yeah. But we should be way more excited about Kavan Biggio and his, his rank actually shot up. He was unranked. Yeah. At the start of the season. And he was now, not in the top 30. And now he's top 10 for us. If Kavan Biggio was on almost every other team in MLB, he would be top five prospect. I think the big and thing is be- here is. I want to. I, I'm I'm hyped too, but I want to exercise some caution. Like we've seen one one really good year from him. Let's see him start off well in 2019, and then we can be really hyped. Yeah. Plus, he also might be on steroids, so there's that whole thing too. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, well, fingers crossed. Oof. You know, uh, number eight on this list, and I think the most intriguing prospect that we have, uh, Jordan Groshans. Uh, he was our first round pick last year. Um, for a shortstop prospect coming out of high school. I mean, usually you want a little bit more of a, a seasoned player at shortstop. You know, you usually draft mm-hmm. some college guys, but to get drafted at a high school in the first round as a shortstop and then play as good as he did in rookie ball. I mean, he didn't have that many games, but it's not like he looked out of place. I mean, he had 39 RBIs. Wasn't that bad at all in uh, 37 games. So Jordan Groshans, I really, I really like him. I haven't seen a lot of him, but just from the highlights, uh, again, the classic Moneyball line, he does look like a ball player. <laughs> Out of all the players we've used that thing for, it might be most true for Jordan Groshans. Hey, Patrick? Yeah, he's just a baby boy, too. He's only 19, and I want to see him and Clough in at least high A this year. I know, like, they just did rookie rookie ball, but, mm-hmm. like, I, I think to kind of push... Groshans to maybe put a, a bit more weight on his frame 
I, I think there could be something here. He, he might end up being a better prospect than Bichette. He the, might. The thing here is he's 6'3". He's pretty tall. Another 6'3 shortstop that's was pretty good in his time, Troy Tulowitzki. He's yeah. also 6'3". Um, yep. Tulo weighs about 205 pounds probably, give or take, I'd say, uh, according to his baseball reference anyway. But uh, So Groshans is a little bit lean, but I mean the kid's 18. So he's going to put on some weight. Um, yeah, he's just a baby boy. His his bat seems really, really refined for an 18-year-old. I guess he's 19 now. Sorry, he in November. Um, but I, I, I got to say, I, to get him at 12th in the draft, it's it seems like a steal. But there's some – oh, sorry, there's a sigh. There, there are some guys that went ahead of him this year that were really, really good prospects. But I could see, I could see Groshans going in the top ten if he was draft. If we did a redraft, mm-hmm. just based on his numbers purely. So, what's the if here? Like I'm you're, pretty you're, excited. You're pump, you're, but you're pumping I don't his know. tires. Like you're going to say something bad about no, him. No, I'm just. Like, well, there's this and this, but oh, there's I'm, this. So like we saw 200 plate appearances. Let's not get too hype about it. We saw we've seen Kevin Pilar hit 400 over the course of 200 plate appearance before, and he's not a 400 hitter. Yeah, so. he's the man though. <laughs> Let's uh, <laughs> but he's another guy like Kevin Biggio is different because he's had a couple of seasons already. He's four years older. Yeah, yeah he's he's also four years older. But for Groshans, we don't really we know like he he raked in high school, but what MLB first round draft pick doesn't rake in high school? I raked in high Marcus school. Marcus Stroman probably. Marcus Stroman raked at Duke. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's a pitcher. Um, so let's let's give this guy like six months and see where we are come August and see how he's been doing. And we can probably, same with BJ, will be even more hype. Screw that. Let's set the bar high. Let's not manage <laughs> our expectations. Let's set the bar real this is high. What, this is how prospects get overvalued, guys. I don't care. Overvalued. This is why people are heartbroken over Jonas Valanciunas getting traded. He's not that good. No, he's really not that good. <laughs> he's so soft. So, so soft. Like, not Andrea Bargnani soft. Softer than Lithuania butter. Yeah, real, real soft. Softer, oh, softer, softer than CJ's PJs. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. R.I.P. Yeah, CJ's miss PJs. CJ. Yeah, I, I didn't miss Goodbye, CJ. Goodbye, GoDaddy Chris. All right, enough of that. Number seven on the list. Um, Eric Pardinho. Or is it Pardinho? Pardinho. Pardinho. Um, again, he's the number five international prospect in 2017. He's 18 years old, another young guy. He's yeah. on the hook for a $1.4 million signing bonus, which worries me a little bit. But when you yeah. are the number five international prospect for a year, you're going to make a, a good amount of money. Um, this guy can chuck. He's got a mid-90s fastball already. Um, he is only 155 pounds, but when you're a pitcher, you don't really need that much meat. Yeah. Like If you're well, lanky, that's good. You can whip the ball. The, the kid was 17 until a month ago. Yeah, he exactly. Was, he was pitching at 17 in rookie ball. And if it weren't for Nate Pearson, Pardini would be our top pitching prospect right now. I mean, you look at his stats, granted it's rookie ball, but he's still 17. 11 games pitched, 50 innings over 11 starts, 11.5 Ks per nine, under three walks, under one home run, 46% ground balls, an ex-fip of 333, which is actually a little bit higher than his 288 ERA. So this kid has potential. He pitched at the WBC as a 16-year-old mm-hmm. in a qualifier. That's so, insane. I mean, this kid is the future of Brazilian baseball, and he might be the future of Blue Jays pitching staffs. Do you believe that, Patrick? Or are we believing the hype? 
When it comes to the hype for our pitching prospect, this is the one guy who I think stands out above all others. Mm-hmm. He, again, back-to-back baby boys on the list here. <laughs> He's 18, 5'10", 155 pounds. He's not even done growing. And the kid, the kid had the balls to pitch in the, the WBC, which I know is not really that big a deal. But he was 16 years old. We all still had spots when we were 16 years old. Some of us were driving cars. This kid was pitching in an international tournament, throwing real heat. Like, I don't know. I want to see what he does. And I don't know if he'll be in low A or high A. I don't know. I haven't seen anything about him in a while. He'll probably start in rookie uh, ball again. Just because it's because of his age. In Bluefield? or yeah, he'll be in Bluefield. That's where he was last year. It, yeah, so he'll be in Bluefield for a minute, and then I wouldn't be surprised if he does get get the call up to Lansing. Yeah, before the end of the year, maybe get some get some innings in there. Is this guy just a pure starter and nothing oh, for else? Sure. Yeah, we think this dude is this dude's built to start. Yeah, and he's okay. got a little Marcus Stroman frame too. He's five ten. He's taller than Marcus Stroman. Well, yeah, but I mean, maybe you can measure his heart with his height. Yeah, with with pitchers though, like when it comes to the pitcher scale, yeah. he's got more of a Marcus Stroman frame. Oh yeah, frame. for sure. He's he's, he's kind of tiny. He's little, but, but um, he can check. Yeah, I just I don't like overhyping pitchers because whenever we do that in the Jays system, it seems like they always flop. they turn into Kyle Drabeck. Yeah, they turn into oh man, or God. Ricky Romero. Yeah, but at least Ricky Romero was an all star. Drabeck just sucked. Drabeck <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. broke hearts across fair. Blue Jays Nation. Oh, this guy we got for Doc. He can't wait, man. He's yeah, he's a complete. Zero. Um, number six on the list here, another shortstop. Wow. Uh, Kevin Smith. This guy can also play third, but I feel like any prospect in our system right now that also plays third base, you should probably switch positions. You're never going to play third base with the Jays. Um, this guy, again, 22 years old. Uh, he was in A-ball last year, and he does have a little bit of pop in his bat, but I think, it, like, how is his fielding? I don't know too much about his fielding. By all accounts, it's pretty pretty good riddle me this in three years what if our starting infield was vladimir Guerrero jr mm-hmm. at third boba shed at second lotus guriel slash kevin biggio at at, uh, at second base sorry boba shed at shortstop and what if we switch kevin smith to first base right i'd like now? that i'd like that we don't have a good first base prospect other than rowdy <laughs> the only thing with kevin kevin smith is that his arm is his arm strength is pretty good, so he could be another guy like Biggio who they could maybe transition to the outfield. I mean, shortstops are generally great, great athletes. Maybe we trade a guy for a pitching prospect or an outfield prospect. Maybe I don't know. Our infield I, is so crowded. I look at Smith's numbers, and I mean, everything that I see here, it looks like he should be able to sustain some success. He strikes out a fair amount. His walk numbers are decent, but his power is great. It's it's tough for me to give up on a guy like this who kind of – he sort of came out of nowhere this season, but not really. He's our least hype prospect in the top ten. Right, Patrick? Uh, I think I could put Anthony Alford at the least hype prospect. Okay. We'll talk about him next. Yeah. But um, I like Kevin Smith a lot. I think if, if he wants to have any success – in this organization, he's going to change positions, like you said, because that last of the infield is just really, really tough to Patrick, crack. Patrick, Kevin Smith? 
I think he is a great prospect, and I think in any other system, he would remain a top 10 prospect. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Jays should deal him because there's such an overcrowding of shortstops. We've been through this before uh, in previous episodes where we talked about the prospects. There's there's room for him to grow, of course, but I'm thinking that let, let all these shortstops compete until about August because you can trade minor league players after the trade deadline, right? Yeah, you should be able to. I, mean, you, I don't see why not. Yeah, I would say like if Kevin Smith is at the top of the pile or close to the top of the pile, I say we just trade him for value because we are going to need bullpen help in a big way in about two years when the games will start meaning something again. And we have a lot of starter potential in this list. Our relievers have to come from somewhere. Trading Kevin Smith so he doesn't have to trade uh, change positions or anything like that. He gets an opportunity in a system where maybe it's not as hyper-crowded at shortstop. Because, let's be honest, there's only one shortstop position. Our second-best prospect is a shortstop. These guys, nine players can't split time at shortstop. So, someone's got to go. Something has to give. And I think given the quality of a prospect that Kevin Smith is, it'd be better for him and better for the organization to deal him while his uh, stock is at an all-time high. So I say dealt by August. Plus his name is kind of boring. Like our other prospects, <laughs> Bo Bichette, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jordan Groshans, Kevin Smith. It's boring. Number 37, Kevin Smith. Yeah, Smith. Kevin Smith, Smith you're boring. It's not um, sexy, right, Clayton? It's not sexy at all. And if there's one thing I like, it's sexiness. Um, I could base a whole team on sexiness, and we'd win the uh, World Series. And they would all be Bartolo why Colon. I should be the GM of the <laughs> Toronto Blue Jays. Starting pitch number one, Bartolo Colon. Starting pitch number two, Bartolo Colon. <laughs> Every position in the outfield, Kevin Pillar. He's Bartolo never allowed Colon. to retire. Um, number five on our list, I think this guy is rated a little high. Um, Anthony Alford. Um, this guy's been in our system for a while, since 2012. Like He's been kicking around for a bit. He was a third-round pick that year. He's 24, 6'1", 215, looks like a ball player. Um, the guy killer. is an absolute athletic stud. Like He's yeah. a specimen. Never quit on the athlete. Like, if he, I think this guy could have been a pretty good football player, too. But probably a good decision playing baseball over football. But he's just got, he's just an athlete. And he did have some time last year in the majors. He didn't Barely. really do too much with it. And he didn't really stand out that much, mm -hmm. which is a shame because we need outfield prospects. Now he's 24, so he's on the brink of prospects. Patrick, um, Anthony Alford, where is his future with the Jays, do you think? He doesn't have one, unfortunately. I just think, I think time is up. And. I know, like, I know Justin is still really into Anthony Alford, and I know, like, it'd be easy for me to just cherry-pick all the shitty numbers from, from last year. And this guy is a tremendous natural athlete, and I think that he, there's a lot of value in his name and his ability. I think we should just deal him for pitching prospects because I just don't see where he is going to get the opportunity in, in the outfield. I know we need outfielders, but this guy isn't the answer. Anthony Alford is going to have a spot on this roster at some point this season, be it 
through injury or somebody ahead of him getting traded. I still think Anthony Alford has starting center fielders potential. We saw him in AAA this year get off to a really rough start. First 56 games, he only hit 219. The last 49, he hit 264. So about halfway through the season at Buffalo, he turned it around. He's got 70-grade speed, guys. His fielding is solid. He's, he's got a decent arm, but he doesn't really need the arm because <laughs> he can get to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, the scouts still think he's got plus power. He hasn't developed that yet. He had some health injuries, health issues the last couple of years. This is this is the season for him to do anything. If he's going to do something, it's got to be 2019. I'm not ready to give up is on this, him yet, but is it do or die? It's do or die in 2019. He had like we shouldn't have Dalton Pompey on our roster this year because Dalton Pompey, his do or die year was 2018. And I I can't figure out why we still have him on. This is Anthony Alfred's do or die year. If he doesn't do something this year, he'll be he'll be this season's Dalton Pompey, who will be wondering at this time next year why haven't we traded him yet? You're being so dramatic. You're talking so slow. It's like it's a true. movie right now. Our studio is like pitch black. Like it's dark in Saskatoon <laughs> right now. And like your laptop light is like illuminating your face in like a very dramatic way. I got chills right now. It's a do or die In a world. Year. Oh my God. Anthony Alfred. In a world devoid of outfield prospects, one man stands alone. Anthony Alfred. You got to work on that movie trailer voice, man. Yeah, it's not great. In a world. Know, whatever. <laughs> um, number four on the list, uh, Nate Pearson. Guy can chuck. Big uh, Nate. 6'6", 245. He's only 22. He was our first-round pick in 2017. Yeah. And 28th overall, but whatever, still a first-round pick. I know that you guys are all about the prospects and stuff, and you guys know a lot about people in the in the draft and stuff, but let's be real here. When it comes to major sports drafts, the Major League Baseball draft is the biggest crapshoot. It's like, okay, oh, sure. who are these guys? Like, Div 2 college oh, yeah. guys, high school college guys. So you never really know about them. But when we took Nate Pearson, Everyone kind of knew who Nate Pearson was because guy can 100 chuck miles 100 an miles an hour. And it's like, oh, we got a guy that can throw 100 miles an hour. Um, Patrick, we'll start with you again here. When does Nate Pearson make our team? And how do you see him doing in the minor leagues this year? Two-part question. Okay, part one, we're going to see him in two to three years. Um, maybe a bit less. I'd say we'll, he will make his MLB debut by age 24. Uh, okay. some, somewhere in that 365-day cycle <laughs> that we all endure. Um, as far as how he'll do in the minors, I think Nate Pearson is a year away from going Randy Johnson on everybody. He can chuck 100 miles an hour. He's 22 years old. He's six foot six, 245. That's how I like my pitchers to be big juicy boys. He's a juicy boy. Man, we gotta stop saying boys. We gotta start saying kids. I don't know. Something about boys, like baby boys and big boys. I don't know why it kind of gives me the heebie jeebies. Oh, he's a good kid. You know, you can say it in a Canadian way when you're like, Oh yeah, he's a good he's kid. He's a beauty. You know? Yeah, good Kentucky kid right there. It's like, oh, he's a good boy. It's kinda of soft, you know? Like it kinda of makes him like like softer. I don't know. That's just my two cents there. Anyway. Um, Nate he's 245 pounds. He's basically like a reincarnation of Bartolo, as far as his frame. Except maybe Bartolo not. Maybe not. Bartolo's like 5'11", 245. He's so, probably 300. Yeah. Uh, Nate Pearson, Justin, what do you think? Okay, so 
I don't even want to talk about his stats because he's had like the shittiest luck when it comes to injuries. The dude got he came back from uh from Tommy John and then he got hit in the forearm by a line drive and broke his arm in like the first inning back. Just like the worst luck. He pitched one and two thirds innings for us in twenty eighteen in high A because of that line drive. He did come back in in the Arizona Fall League. His numbers in the AZL weren't great, but he had like two rough outings, and it's a it's like a, a two month league, so it's pretty quick. Um, for, just for reference, Bartolo was five eleven two eighty five, oh. so there's no comparison. <laughs> yeah, not even close. <laughs> I had to look that up. That's why I was kind of stalling. But Nate Pearson throws a hundred miles an hour. Big Nate's a big boy. He's gonna have a huge year in twenty nineteen. He's going to arrive sometime in 2020. That's my prediction. He'll be 23. I'm going to go a year younger than Patrick. I bet you he'll be a September call-up this year. This year? You heard it here first, friends. You heard it here first. Sexy take. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm all about. (laughs) Where were you the past 20 minutes, man? Uh, Looking up our total cologne stats. Number three on this list, my boy, Danny Jansen. Um, 6'2", 225. Perfect, perfect frame for a catcher. Um, not too big where he can't go down and block balls, but a big enough body where he's going to give a big enough target. Uh, I played catcher my whole life. That's That was my jam. I uh, played AAA here in Saskatoon, like midget AAA ball and stuff like that. And you always bring that up. I do, because when it comes to catchers, I know what I'm talking about. Every other position, it's kind of like, okay, like pitchers or whatever. But like when it comes to catching, like the defensive side and calling the game, I am a catcher nerd. <laughs> and... I think Danny Jansen has the potential to be, because there hasn't been a lot of them, like a legendary Blue Jays catcher. Because we can't hold on to catchers. We always just kind of have them for a while and they leave. Bad issues. You know, we got bad issues. I think Danny Jansen can be like a a legendary Blue Jays catcher. He will, no doubt about it, be the starter this year. I mean, Maley, yeah, he's good, but there's no chance. I mean, and plus he wears glasses. I like players that wear glasses. I like the goggles. I've gotten the 16th round. Like, it's a pretty good deal on this guy. I'm um, a late bloomer. Am I am I hyping this guy too much here, Justin? Or no, I, I like Danny Jansen a lot too. Um, and I I know a little bit about catchers because you're an umpire. I stand behind them, yeah. and, and if they don't do their job, I get tagged with mm-hmm. with baseballs, and I don't appreciate that very much. Uh, <laughs> so I do appreciate a good catcher and a good athletic catcher, and I think Danny Jansen will get there. We saw him struggle a little bit throwing up base runners in the big leagues. But that's something that'll come with time. He's he's gonna learn a bit better field me, field mechanics, and he's got some good catchers on on the Blue Jays coaching staff. Uh, one of them being John Schneider, who's gonna work with the catchers a lot um, this season. So we'll see. Very I think we'll see Denny Jansen's. Uh, yeah, me too. I think we'll see Denny Jansen's defense improve a lot this year. He doesn't strike out a ton in his minor league career. He walked about as much as he struck out about between ten and fourteen percent of the time, kind of thing. For both of those he's got 20 home run potential i think we'll probably see him hit about 12 to 15 this year which is what he hit last year was 15 across both levels i like denny jansen to be like that that solid catcher like russell martin-esque in his mm-hmm. prime where he could hit like 260 270 with 20 home runs and just be really solid know the pitching staff really well we'll get there in a couple years with danny I'm more excited about what he brings defensively than what he brings offensively, yeah. which is what you want in a catcher. Now, that's not saying he's bad at the plate because he's great at the plate, mm-hmm. but I just think, like, his defensive upside, he's got a hose of an arm, too. He's got like, a good arm. No one's really going to steal on this guy too much. 
I just think that we got a gem of a defensive catcher, and that's what you yeah. need. I, every good team has a good catcher, and I think we finally have a good young catcher. Um, what about you, Patrick? What excites you about Danny Jansen the most? What excites me the most about Danny Jansen is his just his general contact ability. Mm-hmm. I think I think Danny Jansen can hit 260 in the oh, majors. Sure. And I think he can do it regularly. Uh, he hasn't done it yet, obviously. But I think with a full season or two under his belt, he'll figure some things out. And I just see him as being like an excellent contact hitter and just like field general. He's going to be Russell Martin, although not as good defensively, maybe slightly better as a hitter. And I like catchers who can hit. Uh, I find that more interesting than uh, catchers being good defensively. So more along the lines of like, I like my Mike Piazza over Padre Rodriguez. Yeah, fair. I do too, but yeah, I just he's defensive. Defensively, he's awesome. I know he, he's he's very good. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited that we have a catcher. Like like we haven't had a young catcher since like JP or Sebia, and again, it didn't really work oh. out with JP. But it just seems like man, the catcher position in the Jays organization forever has been just like a a black hole of sadness. Really, it's just like how we have a good guy for a while and he's gone. Russell has been like our most accomplished catcher, and we got him at the tail end of his career. You know, so. I hope Danny Jansen works out, and I, I think he will. Uh, number two on the list, my boy, Bo Bichette. Hot take to start this thing off. I think Bo Bichette should be our shortstop this season. I think you're right. I think he should be our starting shortstop opening day. Bo Bichette is only 20, and I know that he still has some kind of seasoning to do. But, I mean, this guy won the home run derby at the All-American game in Chicago. This guy is an Eastern League All-Star on a team that was the best team in that league in 2018, he was the most valuable player on that team, maybe next to Blatty. Cavabijo won the MVP. Cavabijo did win the MVP. I think Bo Bichette was better, but Bo Bichette is just, (laughs) man, this guy can do everything. And I just, I think we should just give him a shot and he should be our opening day starter at shortstop. Maybe I'm crazy for thinking that, but I think he's ready. Well, Clayton, we all know that you're a little bit crazy. I know. But who among us isn't? Someone has to be a little bit out there with you guys and your numbers and your stats and stuff like that. The numbers don't lie. The numbers never lie, Clayton. Sometimes they do. I don't know about that. They lied for the Oakland A's in 2001. <laughs> According to the numbers, oh they should have won it all, and they didn't. <laughs> uh, let's not go backwards. Let's go forwards, guys. Bo Bichette started. Bo yeah. two stolen bases. Patrick, take it away. <laughs> Bo Bichette is definitely uh, one of the top ten most exciting prospects in all of baseball. I don't think anyone could deny that. What I'm interested to see is how this whole shortstop logjam that we have is going to shake out and whether or not Bo Bichette is going to get uh, elevated through the minor leagues faster to expedite the process or if they're just going to let him develop uh, and we won't see him before he's 22, uh, just to kind of protect his service time. I know it's a bigger deal with Vladdy to do the service time thing, but again... Bo is only 20, and I think I think that his hit ability, uh, the the 45-50 rating that he has right now, I think that might be a bit low. And I think that if he gets a little bit more time to sort of marinate in the minors, um, I'd like to see him in AAA, uh, take a look at some off-speed stuff, 
because he hasn't really seen a lot of that yet. Double A is usually just fastballs. Uh, it's not really a lot of pitchers who have developed uh, second and third pitches. I'd, I'd like to see what he does this year. I don't want him called up this year. I want him to take his time because I think this kid could end up being a bigger deal to the team than Vladdy in the long term. That's a bold move, Cotton. Uh, I know it's a spicy take, but <laughs> I just think there's something special about a shortstop who can do everything and is good at everything. Vladdy is eventually going to crap out at third. He's just too big. I, he's, he, I don't think he can sustain being at third base his entire career. If Bichette I think is he'll so end special, up at first we or, should put him DH. in the majors right now. Then You know what? This kid has such a violent swing. Uh if his contract or contract contact is as good as Patrick says it is, which I think he's probably right, he's gonna mash. Like mash. The belief among everybody who's seen him play is that he could compete for some batting titles, and that's batting average. That's mm-hmm. that's not home runs. That's like he he could win silver sluggers at shortstop for being the best hitter at his position, and potentially lead leagues in in in, in categories. I like a guy who has a lot of speed, and he's got lots of speed. He's, I mean, he stole 32 bases last season, which is something the Jays are sorely in, in need of as somebody who can actually make something happen. We haven't had a, a guy that's really good at stealing bases since we had Rajay Davis. Yeah. And he was like 35. He was old at the time, like, and he still steals bases. But Bo is quick. He's un- got underrated speed, underrated defense, I think we, if we do see him this year, it will be late in the year because of service time, mm-hmm. which, again, sucks. It's bad for the game. But I, in our predictions episode a couple weeks ago, I said that he would not play at all this year, and I'm sticking by that. He's going to be in Buffalo. They're going to do what to him what they did to Vladdy last year. I think he's ready. I, yeah. I honestly it's... just think Bo's ready, and I just think, like, just, just give him a <laughs> shot because, like, he just keeps getting, like, every prospect gets better and better and better, but no one is taking leaps like Bo Bichette is. No, like, but year by year, it's just like, holy crap, this guy is getting good and without the juice. Like, like, you can tell he's not a juice. It's all the power of the flow. It's all the power of the flow. And, like, I just really like Bo Bichette. I got a huge man crush on Bo Bichette. Passes the name test. Take a lesson, Kevin Smith. That's the (laughs) name you should get. Bo Bichette. (laughs) His name's Bo. He's going to channel his inner Bo Jackson. He's going to kill it. I mean, I, I can't wait to see him. His dad was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good ball player, too. Yeah, so. I was just going to say, uh, it's a, Justin, it's another guy in our system yeah. who has an excellent coach right at home. Yep. Well, that's a I perfect mean, segue for, for number one on our list, I guess. Um, <laughs> Vladimir Guerrero Jr., obviously, number one. Not just number one in our system, but number one in baseball uh, because he is a man beast. Because he's, he's been in the minors too long. He's, he's, he's a freak. Like, this guy, 300 is his floor when it comes to batting average. Like, this guy is going to hit over 300 a ton in his career. But I think the best thing about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the sound... Oh, of man. his home runs. Anything. Um, when this guy <laughs> hits a home run, it's like the Jose Batista factor. You know it's gone. You don't even need to see it when you hear it that it's gone. And I think Vladdy's sound is better than Joey Bats' sound. Oh, yeah. It's it's deafening. 
I like this guy. Like we were so- talking about Bobuchet, how he has a violent, angry swing. Vladis is way more violent and way more angry. He attacks the baseball. The thing about Vladis though is it looks it looks controlled, mm-hmm. but if you watch that sucker in slow motion, you can just see all the moving parts and everything is just moving in a flat plane directly towards the ball. And yeah, if there's life on Mars, they hear the ball when it comes yeah. off of Vladis' bat. It's like his dad. <laughs> he hits like his dad. Like it looks like yeah. a complete shit show. The thing about junior compared to senior is that junior has an eye too he'll take a walk mm-hmm. and His the, dad he won't. he's never struck out at a higher percentage than 13.4 and he's had he walked so 2018 triple a walked 11.7 percent of the time struck out only 7.8 pretty good he's he walks more than he strikes out guys yeah. patrick Patrick's, that's patrick's like wet dream right there yeah go off on Vladdy <laughs> jr we've had our turn <laughs> My favorite thing about Vladdy, uh, aside from all the all, all the wonderful things you guys have already said, <laughs> is that he gets on base. <laughs> I love that. He's Easy gonna go out there and he's not just gonna swing at every fucking thing that flies his way. He's not gonna do that. He's gonna take his time. I am gonna make a very spicy prediction. I don't think there are spicy and, predictions with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. though. Like, no, I think any prediction is just like, think, yeah, that could happen. I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to hit over 300 every year of his career. I could see that for like the first 10, but he might get age catches up to everybody. But at the same time, this guy's a freak. Mm-hmm. So. Is, is Vladi Tony Gwynn reincarnated? Maybe. With a little bit more yeah, power. he's not. He's not the athlete that Tony Gwynn was. He's wicked slow. Um, but as far as like his hit tool, what he's his contact <laughs> is like it is Gwynn level. He's got it. It it, it is. Yeah, he's got an eighty grade hit tool. <laughs> it's not bad, I guess. You know, it's as good as it gets. <laughs> yeah. The one thing about higher, him, higher than Bruce Hooper, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah Bruce Hooper. Yeah. The one thing about Vladdy that I think is underrated. He's been around major league ballparks his whole life. He's born in so Montreal. He was born in Montreal, and he followed his dad around a lot in Major League mm-hmm. locker rooms. So he knows what it takes to be in a Major League locker room. He's seen legendary players act a certain way in a Major League locker room, so he knows how to act. Yeah. His English may not be great, but I mean, he knows <laughs> how to act in a Major League Baseball atmosphere. Yeah. So many rookies that come up, they don't know how to act, and they kind of get lost in the system. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has experience in a Major League ballpark in a major league locker room stuff like that that kind of atmosphere and he's not going to be surprised by it i love the first couple lines of his uh wikipedia page it says vladimir guerrero ramos jr is a canadian dominican professional baseball third baseman that's awesome from the toronto Blue- organization yeah. he's considered the top prospect again, oh, that guy gets it, me going the thing is too like if he didn't hit home runs it would be like okay he's still pretty good but the fact that his home runs are just moonshots. Yeah, they're bombs. Like, it's just, I think that's just the icing on the cake, you know? Because, like, everything else, everyone talks about his defense. Oh, his defense isn't that great. Man, I've seen some clips of him absolutely making some digs at third base mm. and hosing guys out. Um, it might not be as polished as some guys, but, again, he's 19. But when it, his home runs, man, like, that's what made him famous. He, it's just, it's, I've never seen a player hit home runs like him until, since Ken Griffey Jr. Like, with that swing and that sound and that knowing it's gone. 
A Rod was up there too. A Rod was, was up prospect. there too, but A Rod's a dick. Yeah, and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is not a dick. <laughs> yeah. He's not the kid, that's yeah. for sure. Are we uh, putting a bow? Do, in we, the pr- are do we... you guys think when it comes to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., do you guys think that he will get to a point where he will outperform Mike Trout at the plate, or is Mike Trout just ungodly? Oh man, that's that's a really good question. I think he will. I think he'll put up some bigger numbers, but I think Mike Trout is still a, a more valuable player yeah. because he's a five-tool player. Yeah, I agree. Vladdy's a three-to-four-tool player. He's a he's a he's a purely offensive talent at this point. Defense is going to be decent for a few years, but you like you mentioned, Patrick, I, he's probably not going to be able to stick at third. He'll mm-hmm. be like a Miguel Cabrera type, where he'll sw- switch over to. Th- to first base yeah he he's not gonna be hitting any triples no. so uh maybe by the time kevin smith is ready to play third base in the big leagues vladdy will be ready to move to, th- to first base kevin we'll smith's gone let's let's leave kevin i smith love kevin smith let's leave kevin smith in the past um what was i gonna say about vladdy to end things off here oh i blanked here man oh he's canadian yeah he's yeah. a canadian citizen and he's totally cool with that like dual like obviously he's incredibly proud of his Dominican heritage, but he's Canadian, which he means play he can Canada play WBC. in the Olympics for Canada <laughs> yeah. if he wants. Although why would he, <laughs> when he can win a gold medal with <laughs> Dominica? Here's the thing I was gonna so, say. Um, I know it's a smart move to keep him in AAA until April fifteenth with the service time and thing in the future, whatever. I think the fans would love it to have him on the opening day roster this year <laughs> and to have him come out of the tunnel. And I think that there isn't going to be a lot of excitement for the Jays this season at the major league level. I think we should get a little bit more excited <laughs> and put Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in our lineup from day one. Because at least then fans will have a reason to go to the games because our attendance was horseshit at the end of the year last season. At least fans will get <laughs> a little bit more excited and a little bit more pumped up about it. And they'll go to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from the get-go and not just halfway through the first month, you know? I, I just I, I understand it's a smart move to keep him in the minors for the future. But let's think a little bit about right now. Just a little bit. Here's, here's the thing, Clayton. You're absolutely unequivocally right. I can tell you with 100% certainty it's that they are going to keep him in the minors until April 15th. I know, but it's they just, shouldn't. It would be stupid. Because the best game of the year is the they, home opener. Like, that's the best game of the year for the Jays. It's a home opener. Everyone's hyped up. You're right. You have never been more right about anything on this podcast than what you're explaining right now. But it will not happen. It would be awesome if we had the first three weeks on the road and then we call up Vladdy Jr. after his service time is done and then we get him for our home opener. But that's not the way the schedule goes (laughs) this year. So I think that puts a bow on the uh, prospect talk there. You guys didn't catch that pun there, did you? Put a bow on it. Oh, God. Bow Turn the mics off. I thought it was funny. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Okay? You know what? That was cool. <laughs> okay, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. That is uncalled for. No, it wasn't because that was funny. I threw in a Kevin Smith joke that none of you guys picked up Turn on. the mic off yeah. already. I, I, oh, man. Um, at, I, I'm the instant announcer for the Saskatoon Blades, the WHL team here, and every the little bit that we do is the bad joke of the game. It's purposely bad. Oh I'm going to tell you guys a joke that I had yesterday. Um, what is the best cereal to have in the third period? Cinnamon Toast Crunch Time. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. God. Again, screw we you to... guys. That's All hilarious. Right. Starting, starting this week, we're going to be putting out applications for a new host for BFMD. 
Because, Clayton, that was well, atrocious. I'm the only one out of you two that knows how to work the Adobe Audition system that we use, so good luck. You know there's Google and YouTube, right? I think <laughs> no, we could probably fun. learn. Yeah, no, yeah, because it's super user-friendly, guys. Yeah, have fun <laughs> with that, guys. We would be screwed without Clayton. Super user-friendly. Only the there's two requirements for this thing. You don't have to be a good host. You just have to know how to use Adobe Audition and be able to tell one good joke an episode. I've literally made a career for nine years just doing those two things. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. My, my life's a fucking joke. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's all for Batflips and Maple Dips, uh, Prospect yeah. Edition. It's been a fun three episodes of The Boys. Uh, again, review us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Give us your reviews. Give us your comments. We like, we can take constructive criticism. No, we can't. Well, you two can't, but I can. Again, I, when you're in radio, you have to take constructive criticism. So uh, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Um, also, again, give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify. We're all over all the podcast stuff in there. Just look us up. You'll find us. Um, on behalf of Justin and Patrick, it's been fun. Um, maybe we'll talk some of those rule changes that are proposed next yeah, episode. God. Oh, man, that'll be a juicy episode. Um, have a good day, and we'll talk to you later.